Welcome to another episode of the View Charlotte Real Estate and Entertainment Podcast. My name is Jeremy Orden, one of the partners with the Orden Writer Group at Allen Tate. Each week, we will break down a real estate topic, share stories related to the topic, or have guests with experience in various facets of real estate, and then discuss something about our city that makes it unique. This could be restaurants, things to do, fun facts, or well, virtually anything about Charlotte, because Charlotte is such an amazing city with limitless opportunities. The idea of continuing to educate our clients to the real estate market so they can make the best decision for their family is a commitment we stand behind, and hopefully each of these episodes will leave at least a little pearl of wisdom with our listeners. Let's get started. For this episode, I am joined by one of my most trusted advisors and by clients' favorite resource for accurate information and fantastic customer service. Matthew Query has been my personal go-to home inspector for years. In that time period, he has performed hundreds of home inspections for my team. One of the things that I value most about Matthew's home inspection approach is that he believes in educating his clients to deficiencies and potential safety concerns while never attempting to steer a client in a certain direction on whether or not to proceed with a home. All of my clients comment on his professionalism, timeliness, and amazing communication skills. Matthew Query, owner of Freedom Home Inspection, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks, Jeremy. It's awesome to be here, and I'm thankful for you as a realtor partner. Well, I'm excited to have you as a guest. Normally, I've been telling people that, you know, we're booking them based off of the topics that we wanted to cover. However, when it came to you, I just wanted to book you for the podcast, and then we could figure out what the topic would be. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. There's a lot to talk about. My clients know that when you and I get together, I can flood you with a litany of questions because I really respect your experience and knowledge, but I also just love learning from you. I've left all of our conversations being more educated about building the code, corrections of defects, and things that I need to point out to my clients when showing a home that you know can make them more informed. So question number one, why are you such a good home inspector? Well, thank you for saying so. And um, I really think that it's because of the great amount of experience that I've been blessed to have Uh, from warranty experience to superintendent experience to modular home experience to internal quality experience and and a lot of things, uh, a lot of ancillary things that go along with that and um, just coming to a different with a different table. So let's go back to the beginning before we jump into, you know, our topic of the week. But tell us, how did you become a home inspector and how did Freedom Home Inspection come to be? Well, honestly, I had a mentor tell me that I was good at it. And even though I was resistant uh, to that advice, I ended up uh, pursuing that path anyway. (laughs) I mean, coming from the builder world, what attracted you to the home inspection side of the real estate process? Well, honestly, I I hated inspectors when I was a superintendent and I felt like I could do a better job. I felt like I could come to the table with my knowledge, but also with um, the ability to not scare people. So how do you think then that your years and experience as a builder, both with, you know, stick built homes and modular, how, how do you think that helped shape your approach to home inspections? Well, it's a really well-rounded approach. When you 
tear a house down or tear parts of it down for warranty and rebuild it to try to figure out where a problem's coming from gives you a really unique perspective that people aren't looking at when they go to do a home inspection. So there's countless items that can come up on an inspection. However, I try to prepare my clients for what I like to call the big five. I call it this because in my opinion, these are the most expensive, intrusive, or troublesome areas that can have problems. I typically say that if we have a problem with one or two, maybe even three of these, that we can really handle it. However, once we get to four and five major issues with the big five, then we need to have a conversation about whether or not this is going to be a wise financial investment. So the five areas that I identify are going to be foundation, roof, mechanical, electrical, and plumbing. Yeah, those are really big ones. <laughs> so with the descriptions I just gave, and I don't want this to be an impression that like, if we have an open ground outlet or a bench shingle, a loose toilet, a crawl space needing a moisture barrier, or an HVAC system being halfway through its life, that I'm asking my clients to freak out. We're focused more on major items or issues that come up within these areas. So can you give me a quick example of the type of major items that you would find within each of these categories? And let's start with foundation, including the crawl space. Yeah, crawl spaces and foundations. Those are scary because most people don't go in their crawl space. When it comes to foundations, cracking, um, whether it's through the brick or in a slab, those are really um, could be concerns that you can see. And with crawl spaces, I would say that one of the biggest things is moisture and anything to do with water. So what would a major issue then be with an electrical system? Uh, electrical panel. Uh, we actually just had one the other day, uh, Zinsco panel. It's a factory recalled um, in conjunction with aluminum wiring. Not a great thing. Plumbing can always be scary because the amount of damage that a water can do. What sort of major examples do you find with plumbing deficiencies? Um, it may not seem major to most people, but something as simple as a loose toilet can really result in some major issues below the house. Now, I know that you use a drone as well as walk on roofs with like a boots on the ground or I guess boots on the roof approach. <laughs> what type of roofing deficiencies do you find? Yeah, roofing deficiencies are typically something that's even been left over from when the house was built. I call it mechanical damage. Um, the way that a chimney uh, is not flashed properly, um, holes in the shingles, uh, down to simple just roof maintenance where people haven't caulked uh, the nail heads. Now, on a different mechanical type thing, not the roof mechanical damage, but let's talk about mechanical deficiencies because... In my experience, this is the one that scares people more than anything else. Yeah, 100%. Um, uh, it can be really, really costly to replace an HVAC system, but it's actually pretty simple to, to check out. And our, our kind of simple methods of checking it out can really point to some pretty major issues. So when you're working with a buyer and going over a summary of the report at the end of the inspection, you consistently recommend that your clients attend the inspection. Why do you think that this is such an important part? Well, I'm required by my state standards of practice as our other home inspectors to write things in a certain manner. And those, uh, those write-ups can be rabble-rousing at best. Uh, in a wrap-up, I can really talk um, 
in common language. I can ask questions. People can read my body language. I can be relaxed. They can be relaxed. You can't get that by reading a 50 to 100 page report. I completely agree with you. I've often found that the debrief with either you or one of your inspectors at the end of an inspection is the difference between a successful or a failed transaction. Reading a report, like you said, is really scary because of the requirements for how things have to be written up. So going back to that scenario, you're working with a buyer, you're discussing the summary at the end of the inspection, and you start to identify deficiencies and issues. What do you consider to be your goal from that conversation? I want to communicate to the clients that everything can be fixed. Despite how big the issue is, it could be a major structural concern, but it can be fixed. I love that. I mean, I really want to get deeper into that for a moment because, you know, a buyer obviously has an attachment to the home, either emotionally, financially, or we would hope both. And you're discussing the issues that you've identified. What do you consider to be your role for the client in that conversation? So my role for the client in that meeting is really, like I said earlier, to con- to tell them that everything could be fixed, but also to communicate that there are some issues that may be needing to get addressed sooner, but also create a, a list of things that may need to just get fixed over the life of the house. I think that's such a great approach. Now, during the debrief, we come across one of the big five, let's say an electrical issue, because that's fresh on my mind from a recent inspection we had together. You discover that there's an older type of panel in the home with aluminum wiring. So we not only have a potential safety hazard, but we also have an extremely expensive update with almost no financial return. How do you approach this conversation with the client? It's a gentle one. And um, it's something that, you know, if you're if you're buying an older house, you know that you're going to have some things that are not up to date. And um, the things that are exist in an old house have existed there for a long time. And it's not going to be uh, one of those things like your house is going to immediately burn down. But it's one of those things that you really need to get done really, really soon. And so um, hopefully... Um, with your expertise, Jeremy, you can negotiate with the seller and potentially get some some cash or that repaired. So it really sounds like you're trying to educate them versus point them in a certain direction. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's just the right approach. So wrapping up this topic for this week, I want to circle back to our big five areas. So since not everyone in our audience is actively buying a home right now, or not actively selling a home. I want to get the best nuggets of advice that you can offer to our audience on maintenance to protect each of these categories. So, no pun intended, but let's go from the top down and start with the roof. Um, actually, get a roof inspection. <laughs> you, I don't recommend that you get up there unless you're qualified to do so. I'm definitely not getting on anyone's roof. <laughs> what about plumbing? Uh, plumbing. If, if your toilet is loose, fix it. If you have a leak under the sink, fix it. That stuff can be really problematic if you just let it go over time. Offline, we were talking and you mentioned something interesting about toilets. 
I want you to bring it up now, please. Yeah. So, did you know? Well, you do know. You know now. Uh, every time you plunge the toilet, you're technically supposed to remove the toilet and replace the wax ring because it can that pressure can blow out the wax ring and then you can have a leak. And I'm sure everyone in our audience has done that every time they've had to plunge a toilet. 100%. But really good maintenance item. What about electrical? Electrical um, is a little bit harder because you really need to be an electrician, but there are some things like in the breaker panel for newer construction houses, you can push the arc fault uh, breaker reset button and test that to see if it functions. Same way at your GFCI receptacles that are at your bathroom or kitchen outlets or any other wet areas. So just testing them to make sure they work. Yeah. It's pretty easy, like even to the point that I could probably handle could. that. What about mechanical systems? Um, well, I always recommend that you get an HVAC company to do biannual service, but uh, something that's pretty simple, change your filter every month. <laughs> Tell me more about that. So your filter can really cause a lot of problems if you don't maintain it. Uh, the dust and debris that naturally float around our house can um, land on your ductwork inside of your uh, inside of your HVAC system and can cause damage over time. And it it can be really expensive because it it sometimes means a total replacement. Finally, let's discuss structural because. I have no idea what's a good maintenance approach when it comes to the structural integrity of your home. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, unless you really like small spaces, most people are not going to go in your crawl space. But doing a simple walk around your house as you're mowing the lawn and just paying attention. Do you see some cracking in the brick? Okay, well, take a picture, note it, write it down somewhere. And then in a few months, check on it. Is it getting wider? This is such great information, Matthew. I think the last question I have for you is, what is your response to agents or sellers who look at you as being their adversary in a transaction by doing your job? Yeah, it's unfortunate. I think it's um, it's a poor way to live your life. <laughs> I'm not there to be adversarial but I am there to protect my client who's typically the buyer. And um, if you want to not do maintenance on your house, you're gonna essentially pay the price because I'm gonna find all the things when I go to your house. Take care of your house or else Matthew will find will you find and you. he will put you into a report. <laughs> Matthew, you are the man. You have so much knowledge, but also just passion about protecting your clients. And you not only have like my business, but like obviously my respect. So thank you so much for joining me this week. You know, can I ask you if you would come back and do another episode with us in the future? hundred percent. I'm really thankful to be here. Excellent. And where can people go to get more information on you or your company? You can go to our website, Freedom H, as in home services, hsllc.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook and Instagram. I'm sure the Instagram audience of people who are following home inspectors is massive. It's so huge. I have a lot of followers on YouTube. I'm kind of a big deal. <laughs> Not. I'm huge in Japan. <laughs> I'm huge in Japan. <laughs> Awesome. Thank you so much, Matthew. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.
For this week's entertainment portion, we're going to switch things up a little bit and welcome our first ever second guest in a single episode. I'm joined today by one of our team's most reliable contractor partners. As the owner of Fort Mill-based Premier Fence, Brian Greer combines custom fence solutions with remarkable customer service. This week, let's dive into why people would want a fence for their backyard, what types of solutions Premier Fence provides, and most importantly, what brought Brian and his family to the Charlotte metropolitan area to live and to start a business. Mr. Brian Greer, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jeremy. Good to be here. Uh, thanks for having me on. I've wanted to get you on the podcast for a while, so I really appreciate you taking the time to be here. Well, I appreciate you having me. And uh, like I said, it's good to be here and um, you know, can help any way I can to help people know about the fence market. So let's start with a pretty obvious initial question. Why would somebody want a fence on their property? Yeah, so the, the answer to that is pretty simple. Uh, it's usually dogs, kids, or pool. Um, it's usually one of those three things, and um, it's, it's pretty, pretty much that simple. All good points. I know when we worked together, we needed to enclose our backyard um, specifically for the pool because of code reasons and keeping our dog inside the yard. So really falling within those different areas that you had mentioned. Are there any other reasons, like in your opinion and your experience, why somebody would want a fence? Yeah, so another reason could be to you know keep things out as well. So like for instance, there's, there's people who have like deer or coyotes and they want to keep their house safe or their vegetables safe because uh, we know the deer like to eat vegetables uh, or anything for that matter. Um, so that's another reason why people would do it. Uh, and, you know, it could be also to keep other kids or adults out of their yard as well if it's, you know, if you have one of those crazy neighbors. The crazy neighbor option was not something that had entered my mind previously. So what types of fencing solutions does your company offer? Yeah, so there's a few different types. Uh, aluminum, vinyl, wood with treated pine, um, split rail, which is also treated wood, uh, or chain link is what we offer. Uh, and most of it's probably aluminum, vinyl, and wood. I say we mostly do. I know for our yard specifically, we chose the aluminum fence because that's what we were told that we needed to do because of the HOA requirement. So I guess it was less that that's what we chose versus that's what we were told that we needed. Can you break down for our audience why someone might choose one product or style of fence over another? Yeah, so a lot of that depends on the HOA as well and what the requirements are. Uh, most people want privacy. so. We'll look at the privacy options first if that's allowed. And if not, they'll go to probably a, an aluminum fence, which they can still end up creating privacy with landscaping. Uh, the second reason would be cost. Uh, what's affordable in their budget um, and what are they you know, willing to spend for a fence? What would you say the biggest difference between like a wood privacy fence and you know an aluminum fence with some landscaping is as far as pricing goes? Is it a significant difference in cost? It can be. It just depends on how many gates do you want to get because aluminum gates are very expensive compared compared to wood gates. So that would be the initial cost, but price per foot, it's almost the same. So it really sounds like the aluminum is your preferred product to install. Yeah, that's what I tell people to get mostly just because 
you can always create privacy with landscape as well. And the aluminum product is just very good. Cause like I said, once you put that in, like you're done, it's simple, it's easy and it's affordable. We all know that fences can add to a sense of privacy. It can give security for kids and pets, as well as you mentioned, really establishing infinite boundaries between neighbors. I know working with buyers, a huge majority of my clients desire to have a fenced yard for really these specific reasons. Have you ever researched what type of return on investment a fence brings to a property? Yes, so pretty much you will never lose money putting in a fence. If anything, you'll break even. Uh, And mostly, let's say if you go to sell your house a few years later, the prices for any fence material has probably gone up a little bit, minimum probably 5%. So you're definitely going to get a return value on that, especially when you go to sell your house. Well, I didn't know the specific answer for this. So I did a quick Google and the estimates that I found online were that a fence can return around 1500 to 2500 on valuation so that they're averaging about a 50% ROI. However, in our market, it's actually going to be a lot higher pretty much along the lines of what you said, because I know most of my clients, they won't even look at a property that doesn't have a fence installed. Yeah, that's correct. So the Charlotte market's a little different too, for sure, because uh, everything's grown so fast and prices are going up much higher as well, which is somewhat good. Um, but yeah, if, if you want to get your fence, you probably want to do it sooner rather than later to get that ORI. It also benefits you since you obviously install a lot of fences for our clients. Oh, of course. Absolutely. You've done some pretty outrageous and custom projects for some of my clients, including really tall privacy fences. We have, uh, we, I think one, one we did for one of your clients was like an eight foot tall cap and trim job, which was very, very nice. They wanted that, that really tall privacy fence, which is great. Um, since they had like neighbors kind of like looking on top of them and whatnot. So that was a good way to block off, uh, what they could see in their backyard. Cause I think they wanted to get a pool, which they ended up doing later on. Um, but they, they, they went ahead and got that instant privacy right away. So It sounds like with your approach, it's not really, here's the specific products we offer. It sounds like you're really engaging with your clients and having these conversations and creating a customized solution. Definitely. We want to make sure that our clients get what they want and meet their needs. That's our number one goal. And then on top of that, to have uh, the best customer service available. Well, let's piggyback on that because one of the things that I've always said when I've referred you to clients is that you make the process really simple and easy. So can you tell me a little bit more about your approach to customer service? Yeah, so fencing is pretty simple in itself. And we know that everybody wants less stress and no headaches, especially when moving. Um, So we try to create that environment as much as possible, and especially for, for our employees as well. We want to create a good communication system throughout the process and just make sure that their transition is simple and easy as can be. Like I said, especially when moving, because we all know how stressful moving can be. Well, I've never had a single complaint or concern from anybody that I've referred to working with you, which puts you into a really elite and you know exclusive category with our contractor partners. So thank you for taking such great care of our shared clients. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for sending them our way. We appreciate it, and we'll continue to do our best work. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. 
So let's wrap this conversation up with a discussion about our area. You're not originally from the Charlotte metropolitan area, are you? No, we're originally from Louisiana. Um, my wife and I moved here probably 2015. Uh, she was offered a job for uh, occupational therapy, and I was in personal training at the time. So we just uh, decided to pick a spot and move, and uh, it was worked out for the best. So was there anything specific about the area that helped you decide on the Charlotte metropolitan area? Yeah, so <laughs> being from Louisiana, you don't get all four seasons. I know that in Charlotte, you get pretty much all four seasons or close to it. And we knew that in Fort Mill, the schools were really, really good. Uh, and we thought that would be a great place to raise and start a family. Obviously, you and I have had a lot of crossovers. We've worked together on the sale of your house and the purchase of your new home. I know the reasons why I continue to love living here. But why did you decide to raise your family here? The people. The people are great here. Um, you get a melting pot of people. Uh, it's actually kind of rare that you find somebody that's actually from Charlotte. I feel like everybody's moving here and you just meet all different kinds of people and uh, you learn their story as well. Just kind of like, like mine, like, you know, where you're from, what you're doing here, how's it going, how many kids you have, what's going on in life, stuff like that. And it's just very interesting. And uh, everybody's got a story, I feel like. Well, as a successful business owner, can you comment really quickly on how the economics of our area have helped your company grow so rapidly? Yeah, so Charlotte is just growing like you wouldn't believe. I mean, it's at one point between personal training and being a fence contractor, I was working for an engineering company um, doing project management. And that's when I realized that, wow, there's a lot of homes going up here. This place really has grown. And that's initially what it started and ignited my desire to start a fence company was because of everybody's moving here. It was just crazy to see all the housing going up. Well, I think you've said it all, Brian. I mean, I know that you give free estimates on fence projects. So how can people get in touch with you to schedule an estimate and a conversation about the project that they have in mind? Yeah, so that's also very simple. You can go to our website at premierfencefortmill.com and actually schedule an appointment online. It's very simple. It could take you less than a minute to do. Um, you can also call us at 704-620-4493. And uh, if you don't get in touch with us, let's leave a voicemail and we'll get back with you as soon as we can, for sure, and uh, see what we can do to meet your needs. Now, I know the company is Premier Fence Fort Mill with your website, but you don't just cover the Fort Mill area. Absolutely not. We go to Gastonia, all the way to Huntersville, to uh, Concord, Waxhaw, Monroe. We cover all the surrounding areas as well, and especially Charlotte, of course. Uh, but we'll, we'll pretty much cover about a 30-mile radius from where we are. So what's that website one more time to schedule that free estimate? PremierFenceFortMill.com. Awesome. Brian, my friend, thank you so much for being such a great guest, friend, and contractor partner. I appreciate you taking such great care of our clients. So thank you to our audience for joining us for another episode of the View Charlotte podcast. We'll be back next week with another episode. Mm -hmm.